The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem. Because he was descended from the house and family of David, he went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and, whom, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver, the, deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a man, manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels, angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see the thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning and Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you. So this morning, as you all know, even last evening we had the same readings. <clears throat> and I much reflected from the perspective of the shepherds watching the flock. And I was also thinking and debating to myself that I was not doing justice lately because mostly I was reflecting from the gospel perspective and not really touching the Isaiah. Although my major is Old Testament, uh, somehow because I was so caught up with this um, angels, all these things, uh, probably like Santa Claus, uh, Thing, you know, like the mantra, how the people have these days. So it is like that. You, you just, uh, you know, what is Christmas, the nativity scene, the Jesus, the shepherds, the angels, Mary and Joseph, and uh, things like that. So probably I gave a thought I, I should be talking from the Old Testament perspective, from the prophet Isaiah, what exactly he is picturing this uh, Messiah coming into this world. We all know uh, G.H. Handel Messiah. Uh, we know his uh, great piece of music 
that over the years people have enjoyed. So when he composed this Messiah, it is said that he made it into four parts and the instruments he introduced at that time, the solo instruments were violin and trumpet. And in course of time at London, he was giving uh, multiple um, concerts, um, things like that. And the beauty of this guy is, before he could finish, when his career was ending, whatever variations he had made to Messiah, to that uh, beautiful musical piece, he just left the original of it and removed all the photocopies to put it in your sense, you know, the variations, whatever he had made, everything has been removed, only the original piece remains. If you really want to go into archives and look at it, it is just the original piece. On this Christmas day, as we reflect the birth of Jesus, I think there are many things that just uh, surround and cloud our thinking, deviate us, take us into different directions, but the original, what it means, the purpose, the reason, the reason of Jesus coming into this world should never be missed or never be forgotten. The salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation, and with humanity, the God and people have been reconciled at this moment. So all these things are essentially important. If you are missing that, and if you are focusing on the fancier or the commercial part of Christmas, then I, I don't think, as I said last evening, we would be missing the wonder uh, of this season. Isaiah, in uh, chapter 9, talks about how darkness uh, has seen a great light. The darkness, when Isaiah is talking, it is not the darkness of individual sin, but rather it's a darkness of a social sin, a sin that the community have committed, a sin a nation is involved, or, or, or a kind of thing that you have really betrayed or not following the commandments of what God actually wanted you to do. And we see in this context in Isaiah 9:9 that these people are in exile, taken over by, they were like defeated by Assyrians and, and they're just in exile. So what kind of light would these people see? What exactly is darkness when, when Isaiah is talking? So Isaiah is, try, like, there, there is rich mix of metaphors here. If you see that chapter 9, it is like about the war, about the bloodshed, it is about the trampling of the boots. It, it, it's all kind of very raw imageries, imageries, like just Isaiah uses. It is not to frighten us, but rather to help us understand even in that darkness, even in that kind of extreme situations, when you lose hope, when you're living in hopeless situations, there is light. There is hope. And God is there to save us and give us salvation. And today we have Another reading from Isaiah 52, because Christmas Eve readings are different from Christmas Day readings. So it, it 
So here we see a scenario where people are defeated, living in exile, and in 52, we see that they have been defeated by God. The Israelites have overcome the Babylonians, and they should be happy. But the situation here is they're not really happy because Jerusalem is in the northern kingdom, is in ruins. The opening verse starts like this, that look at the feet of the messenger who brings the good news of salvation, who announces peace and who proclaims freedom for these people. Same like we, we have seen last night how the shepherds have received the uh, message from the angels. They said, peace to you, good news to everyone. Messiah is born, a savior is born to you. So we see that here, a messenger is coming. How beautiful are the feet who get the news of this. It's proclaiming good news, bringing salvation, and just announcing the peace to everyone. Peace is not something that comes at the end of warfare. If we are seeing peace like that, probably we, are, we don't really have an overall understanding of peace. Peace is being able to see, even in the midst of human conditions, on willing to forgive, reconcile, and get a new grasp of new life. And it is possible in the presence of God that happened through Jesus Christ as babe being born in Bethlehem. So Isaiah is saying God is ruling. It is God's reign. Isaiah don't even know when he's writing who is Jesus. I don't know if anyone have really figured. He doesn't know. He's just picturing the Messiah is going to be like this. He's not, he doesn't know the Jesus, but he's just picturing and seeing that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to save his people. But already Israelites are in ruins there. And how can you ask them to sing a song, a joyful song, a hopeful song? Is it possible? But when God is in control of things, when it is God's reign, when it is God's rule, I think it is possible. So Isaiah is helping the Israelites to see the reality of their brokenness. He's helping them to see the reality of their brokenness. Come out and sing along with me. Sing a song, make a joyful noise. The people are not ready yet because Jerusalem is still in rubbles, it's still in ruins. And how can you even call and expect me to sing when we are still suffering? But for Christians, it's not the end point. It is not we start salvation and we end there, but when we start salvation, it has to be a transformation for us. There, there are faces. Many Christians, when I talk, they, said, they say, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. So what for you are saved? Just for yourself? Salvation doesn't end, doesn't mean that way. It is not something like Buddhism or some other religion that it talks of salvation, that you work your own way up. 
It is not individual salvation in Christianity. It is rather that you work for the community. So Isaiah is saying here, there is light in the darkness if you believe that God is there in your midst, in your troubles, in your brokenness, being able to work towards that community of wholeness, fullness, realizing the presence of God in your midst. God had made a decisive action in coming into this world. If you say, I cannot sing a song of joy because I'm going through a lot, then I think faith requires action that doesn't give a thought about how it is going to end, how, it is, how the consequences are going to end. Faith doesn't function or, or operate like that. You just have to begin to believe. You just have to begin to act. These Christmas times, these days, when we rejoice at the coming of God, the hope is giving, the salvation is giving, but what is our part in that? Are we also experiencing and transforming ourselves to become one like God and to spread the good news of the joy of his coming into this world? In 1915, there's a guy called Max Buham who had written a story about a happy hypocrite. A happy hypocrite. So this guy is a ruffian, which means he, he's a thug, he's a very bad guy, but he wanted to woo a saintly girl. So what he does is he puts on the mask of a saint, you know, like very holy person, very nice person, very good person, and he begins to act like that, and finally he, he wins her, he, he like, uh, they like each other, she believes that he's a saintly guy, very good guy, but years later, he gets in touch with his friends who already knows his real identity. So they try to tease him and remove that mask uh, to reveal like who he is, uh, and this is like he's just faking. But when they try to remove the mask, they are really surprised to see the visage of his features because he has been totally transformed from that rude and from that raw look to a very tender, a loving look. They were really surprised. So you try doing something, sometimes you end, you end up like that. So if you try to do something good, probably in course of time, you'll be transformed, you'll, be, you'll end up like that. This guy wanted to be a saint because he wanted to woo that girl, and finally, he's just transformed. So the call of Isaiah to Israelites is, if you are just thinking that living in hopeless situations and thinking, oh, it, everything is in ruins, okay, God gave victory, we, we had victory over Babylonians, we're out of exile, but still, if you're not looking in that positive side of God being with us, then our lives are still going to be broke. The call of Isaiah is, like, wake up, rise up, the light is shining upon you. God is here. He is your savior. He is your redeemer. So come on, begin to act up and be working, work yourself towards that, the path of uh, salvation. So today, it's our call for each one of us to, like Christmas is not that we celebrate 
Christ being born into this world and it's over that we just rejoice, but rather what is our part in this? Are we taking any risk spreading the good news? As I said last evening, the babe is born in Bethlehem. When you look at the people, Bethlehem is somewhere, but still you can reach out to people and be Bethlehem to them. The vulnerability of people, the tenderness, the, the, the people are exposed, but are we going to give that good news? Are we really risking ourselves? This is a very individualistic society, America. Everything is me, 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 about myself. How we are going to reach out to others. I was uh, reading uh, just a joke. Uh, a police officer received a phone call saying that a wife had shot her husband. So he just immediately rushed to find out why did she shoot him. She says, well, I said him the floor is wet, don't stamp on it, and he did, so I got mad and I just shot him. Okay. Then he was really surprised because that, that like, no, he found it very silly and funny, but uh, she did that. So he received a phone call from his superior. Then he was uh, asking the reason why, why she shot him. So he said, um, officer, this is what has happened. He, he just walked on the wet floor, so she just shot him. Then he said, what are you waiting for then? Why don't you go and arrest her? Because you know like the reason. Yes, I can, but the floor is still wet. <laughs> so sometimes if we weigh, if we see, if we calculate, as I said yesterday, it is, the experience should be intrinsic, not, not utilitarian, like, you know, seeing the cause and effect. If I do something, would something happen to me? If you keep gauzing, like, no, estimating things like that, we would never arrive at reaching others and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ's birth into this world. So as Christians, our call is take risk, reach people, let others see the face of Jesus in us. More than in us, we should be able to see the face of Jesus in others, in their vulnerability. The babe was born speechless, the strongest God became the weakest, the smallest, the speechless, the inarticulate today. How many people are we, are, we are seeing today who are, who are voiceless, speechless, cannot express? So we have to see that helpless babe in their faces and try to reach out, and that would be a true rejoicing and true Christmas to each and every one of us. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.